and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, did you watch the Major League Baseball playoffs? Are you disappointed your team didn't make it? You've got Arizona and Texas. Texas, a team that's never won the World Series. Arizona, they won it once. 2011, I believe it was. I posted something on social media, just, you know, talking about the true essence of baseball and Arizona and Texas making it. And if you can appreciate the fact that Texas and Arizona made it, then you really understand the true essence of baseball. Got a lot of comments, a lot of negativity, too. People bitter, jaded, saying how it's going to be the lowest rated World Series and all this other stuff. And just a lot of negativity. Of course, a lot of people were... Positive, too, but, I mean, over baseball, it's negative comments. I mean, do you really have to pop on a social media post and tell me how bad I am for enjoying a World Series that is going to see two teams that are seldom there? Just because your team didn't make it, don't have to be bitter about it. But the point is, did you watch it? Because Game 7, National League Championship Series, Arizona Diamondbacks starting pitcher, Brandon Fott was caught on tape reading the Bible in the dugout before his start. And it brings up the question, or at least the conversation was brought up, does God care about sports? Does God care about who wins, who who loses? You know, so here you've got Fott, the pitcher, reading his Bible before the game. He goes out, he throws four innings. Gives up a couple runs, four hits, walks a couple, strikes out seven. Not a bad stat line. You got a no decision. Team goes on to win, and they're heading to the World Series. At least as the time of this broadcast, they're heading to the World Series. By the time you listen, they've probably already played a game or two, perhaps. But does God care about sports? There was a, a story a while back. Bob Costas may or may not have said something along the lines of, does God really care about football? Does God really care about sports? Does God really care about the outcome? Does God have a uh, input or say in who wins and who loses? You know, something along that lines. And there's always times where someone's going to spark something, maybe controversy, comments, whatever you want to call it, about God and sports. A lot of theologians have a lot of things to say about it, and academia has a lot to say about it. But, I mean, think about this. It's a chilly fall day, Notre Dame, Boston College, touchdown Jesus in the shadows of the stadium, two seconds on the clock, timeout, the TV cameras pan the stadium, all the fans, you've got half the fans on this side, maybe doing the rosary and praying to God for a win, you've got half the Stands on this side praying to God. Whose prayer does he answer? Well, apparently that day, a number of years ago, God was Jesuit. Boston College made the kick, pulled the big upset. What about Texas Christian versus Baylor? Is God Baptist that day because Baylor pulls out the victory? Does God even care? Well, I guess the the question really comes down to what does God want us to do in sports? Of course, God cares about me. God cares about you. God cares about all of us. He already knows the outcome of the game. 
before it's even played. But I think what it comes down to is this, the platform that he gives us and how we use it, the talents that he gives us and how we use them. Not too long ago, I believe it was episode 166, we talked about the Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma Sooners women's softball team winning their third straight national championship. They're on ESPN, and they're asked the questions, and these three gals, players, are given their chance to speak, and when asked the questions about, you know, winning the championship, what does it mean to you, how would you get here, and all those typical questions that reporters ask, they use their time and their platform to glorify God, share their testimony, talking about how it didn't matter if they won or lost, they were still going to glorify God, their faith was still secure, but it also allowed them to have the the other things maybe that helped them push them over the top. Uh, whatever their faith brought them, whatever um, they were able to get out of that, you know, team unity, maybe team bonding, maybe belief in themselves, maybe extra motivation, maybe a peace, a calmness, you know, peace that passes all understanding. So they're able to take some of these things from their faith and apply it to their life. Did it help them swing a bat better? Maybe, maybe not. But to them, it was using their talents and their abilities, having success, and then using the platform to glorify God. So the question comes up then, does God care about wins and losses? Maybe not. He does care about you. He cares about me. He has definitely given us talents and abilities. For some, he's given more so they can play a sport. For others, he's given less so they can talk about sports. Uh, think about musicians. You know, they've got all kinds of talent in the world to play musical instruments or to sing. Some may use it to glorify God. Others might not. That's their choice. But God has given them their talents, and God would desire them to use their talents to glorify him, but he's going to allow them to use their talents how they see fit. So it doesn't really matter, I don't think, what side of the stadium are on and who you're praying to as far as the Jesuits versus the Catholics or, you know, the Methodists versus Baylor, you know, the Baptists, like SMU, for example, versus Baylor even. You can take those analogies all across the, the stadium. I mean, look at Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw, pitcher for the Dodgers, a um, highly professed Christian. Have you checked out his playoff record and his playoff stats over his career? But see, he doesn't find his identity in the sport. He finds his identity in Christ and uses his talents and his abilities as best as possible to glorify him. Kurt Warner, NFL Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, went to the Super Bowl three times, won once. NFL MVP, he was asked the question, if you don't know Kurt Warner, he played in the NFL and he was an outspoken Christian. Part of his uh, testimony in playing was his faith. After he won the Super Bowl, he's up there on the stage and asked the question, what does it mean to win? And he's giving all glory to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he says. And then after winning the NFC Championship with Arizona, the the Cardinals, same thing, professes his faith and gives glory to God. But he was asked a question about God choosing sides. Does God choose sides? Does he pick who wins and loses? How does that work? And this is what uh, Kurt Warner had to say. Well, I mean, I think it's impossible to, um, you know, to speak of it in, in terms of winning and loss, win, winning and losing, and, and saying, 
you know, choose a side or, or be on both sides. And if we calculate God's presence strictly on the fact of winning and losing, well, then, I mean, of course it's not going to work. I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense. But again, that's, that's us trying to put God in this, in this box and saying, you need to work in the way that, that makes sense to me. Because if you don't work, you know, according to, to my standards, then what am I supposed to do with you? And that's where I think the whole key to Christianity is to be able to, to step back and say, you know, as the Bible says, you know, his thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And not try to always say, I can figure God out. I can figure out why this happened and this didn't happen. Because we can't do it. You know, we don't have all the answers. God wants to use all of us and in any possible way that he can, you know, no matter what we're going through. And uh, the key is for us to realize that and accept that even when it doesn't match what we want or even when it doesn't meet the world standard from a success or a win and loss standpoint. See, we might have a standard for ourselves, winning and losing. You look at Kurt Warner, he won a championship. Tom Brady won seven. I don't know Tom Brady's faith. I don't know if he's ever talked about it, if he even has one. Um, in fact, you don't really hear much about Tom Brady. Every once in a while during his playing days, you might hear him and his contract or the fact that he was leaving to go to Tampa, you know, things like that. But you never really heard much about him. But does that mean that even if Tom Brady had faith, does he have more faith or is he more favored? Or is it just the fact that the football teams on the field that day one team won, and one team didn't. But he talks about, Kurt Warner talks about us trying to put God in a box. Don't we do that? We always want to put God in a box or have it about, have it being about us, me, I, right? My standards. How's this going to benefit us? What can I get out of it? Look at me. Look what I've done. But as Kurt Warner said, you know, the Bible talks about his thoughts and ways are higher than ours. I mean, think about it. He's the creator. We're the creation. He should be in control. You know, we can't uh, figure God out. We don't need to. Because all we have to do is call on him. It comes down to, again, that platform. Does God care about wins and losses? Probably not, but he cares about the platform. You know, he wants to use us whenever and wherever we can, even when it doesn't match what we want. We might want to win, like the Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma Sooners uh, softball program, three wins in a row. They use their platform to glorify God. You've got others that might not win, but yet they're given a platform by which to maybe share their faith. Maybe something as simple as the Diamondbacks pitcher reading the Bible makes a bold statement about one's faith and how it becomes a personal thing and not just in a corner or after work or on Sundays or whatever your belief system is, but it's an everyday thing. It doesn't matter if you're going to pitch game seven of the NLCS or if you're at in a pew on a Sunday in a building somewhere. During the service, it's about a personal relationship and having him, having him, God, be there with you at all times. So it's not about the wins and losses, but it's about the opportunity and the platform. Following what God's plans are, using our talents, 
using our abilities, glorifying him regardless of the outcome. And I think Kurt Warner was right. You know, it doesn't come down to our wins and losses. It comes down to what God wants. And sometimes life just happens because you put two teams on the field. And on that day, one team happens to be better, executes better, plays better, plays harder, maybe more talented, and they win. You know, Daryl Strawberry was a major league ball player, an eight-time all-star, a four-time world champion. After his rookie season or early on in his career, again, you're talking about what, the early to mid-80s, signs an $8 million contract. Now, $8 million today for an athlete doesn't sound like a whole lot, does it? But back then, it was a lot. And so Daryl Strawberry... You also might know his story, had some issues with uh, drug abuse and some other personal demons that attacked him. And here he kind of talks about his whole life in kind of a nutshell. Here's Daryl Strawberry. I was an eight-time All-Star, four-time World Series champ. After my rookie year, I signed an $8 million contract at the age of 22. And I go play eight years in, eight more years in the big leagues in New York, win a championship in 86, gain everything, millions of dollars, homes, championships, everything, but I had nothing. My pain led me to my greatness. It was the pain of my father, of the beatings and the alcoholism that led me to my greatness. And my greatness led me to self-destructive. Because I had everything, but I had nothing. My life has been transformed and changed and, and to go and preach the gospel. Can you imagine that a guy comes out of high school, he becomes a millionaire, he plays sports, and then he goes through all these trials and tribulations in his life, and, and then God comes and everybody writes me off and says, he's a bum, and Jesus comes and says, I want him. I'm going to use him. If you don't know Jesus, you need to get to know him while you're here. Because he's amazing. Amazing indeed. So Daryl Strawberry had it all. He had gained the world, but he lost his soul. He says his pain led to his greatness, and then his greatness led to self-destruction. I would tend to disagree a little bit with him from this standpoint, that perhaps he was given a platform, baseball, And perhaps he didn't use it right. Maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he didn't know God. That wasn't his time. And so he did his worldly things. But he used his talents and his abilities to win championships, become an all-star, make a name for himself. Then at the end of his career, like he said, people calling him a bum. Nobody wants him anymore. Jesus comes along and says, I want him. I want him on my team. And now Daryl Strawberry goes around preaching the gospel. Now he's living his greatness. His greatness has come out of him because now he's doing what God called him to do. Baseball could have been the platform that gave Daryl Strawberry a name. And now that name draws people to come listen to Daryl Strawberry speak. And now Daryl Strawberry uses the platform that he has as a famous ex-championship caliber athlete, and that name that comes with it, he uses that 
as the draw to get people to come in where he can now give the message of the gospel. And now he's really using his greatness. So sometimes we might have what we think is greatness, but then God's greatness for us might be something completely different. See, the world might look at Daryl Strawberry and say that that was his greatness. That's the world's standard for success and greatness is four-time champion, eight-time all-star, millions of dollars, homes, all that stuff. But God's greatness for us is something different. Some might be called to preach. Some might be called to teach. Some might be called to go into other lands. Some might be called to be charitable or to help. Whatever it is, that is where our greatness can come out of. And oftentimes when I talk on the show, bringing out your inner greatness, you know, raising the standard, there's no box to that standard. There's no box to that greatness. I always talk about, you know, don't live in that box that the world puts you in. That's the same for greatness. Greatness, we might have a predetermined concept of what that definition is. And it might look like what Daryl Strawberry had. But greatness is how you elevate yourself to the point where you are helping others and helping others elevate themselves. I think that's really what it comes down to when I talk about greatness is what can we do to bring our inner greatness, make ourselves the best we possibly can because we have that in us. And of course, for some, it's going to be limited compared to the world's standards of success. Maybe you just stay at home and raise a family. I mean, that's greatness right there. One of my biggest, I'm going to have pet peeves, but one of my best, my biggest peeves is when someone says, I'm a stay at home mom. Like they dismiss it as something like whatever. That's one of the most important jobs. In fact, it might be the most important job someone could have is being that mother. And you're fortunate to stay at home to be with them. And so when they say, I'm just a stay at home mom. No, you're not just a stay at home mom. You're a mother who is fortunate enough to be at home to do the most important job, raise those kids. So again, are you a bum? Do you feel like you're unwanted? Do you feel like nobody's there for you? Like you have nothing to offer? Jesus, he'll come along and he'll say, I want you on my team. Come join my team. No tryout necessary. I'll take you as you are. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is repent and believe, truly believe. And you're welcome on my team. And, and this gets into some theological deepness that people will argue, but he is not going to cut you. You may walk away from the team, but he will never cut you from the team. Once you're on his team, you're on his team. If you decide to walk away, I guess that's your choice. But then I would question why. Now, you might go through slumps. Baseball is a long season. I mean, look at Tampa Bay, the Rays. They started out on a high note. They were like the best team in baseball with the best record forever. But what people didn't look at was the Orioles were right behind them that whole way and eventually overtook them. And then you have the Orioles beating out the Rays in the division. And then you had the Dodgers, 100-game winner. And then you had the Braves, 
and all these teams winning. The top five teams in Major League Baseball, the best records, all lost in the playoffs. But with God, you always win. So Daryl Strawberry had what the world would call great success, but it led to his pain, his self-destruction. And then as a bum, when nobody else wanted him, God says, I want him on my team. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing that a guy on a team that was once referred to as the amazing Mets is now meeting an amazing God and doing his greatness by sharing the gospel, utilizing his fame, fortune, whatever you want to call it, his world success to attract those to potentially heavenly success. You know, Tim Tebow, obviously when I say his name, you've probably got a million things that come to mind. But Tebow became synonymous with Tebowing, which is taking a knee, right? Interesting how taking a knee in football became such a huge thing, whether it was Tim Tebow taking a knee and being criticized for that, or whether it be Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and being criticized for that, and how Tim Tebow was wrong for taking his knee for his reasons, and all this craziness about taking a knee. But the one thing that I find interesting about Tim Tebow is that, again, it comes back to his platform. He doesn't have the answers when he's asked questions about different things. But it comes back to the platform that he uses and how it can be a place to send a message or at least a a place for people to start a conversation or to remember something. And so here is uh, Tim Tebow. And I don't really think Tim Tebow had much success, maybe one playoff victory with the Broncos perhaps in the NFL. I know he made it to AAA in baseball. I mean, look at all that talent. And yet he's considered a failure by some people. But again, the things that he did, his greatness, sure he had greatness in college, winning national championships and Heisman trophies and stuff like that, right? But his greatness is probably what he's doing now. I mean, think about some of the things he does now. He has a uh, uh, like a prom night. His organization developed like a prom night for special needs kids, and now that has spread plus other things that he does. But to me, that special needs prom night thing is, is pretty cool. And here's uh, Tim Tebow. Well, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm someone that's very outspoken about my faith. And, you know, I've never been ashamed of it. And I always, um, anytime I get the opportunity, I always um, thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is the most important thing to me. Um, but I don't think all the attention is just because of my faith. I think um, sometimes it adds a little bit to it. I'm pretty sure I'm not the first athlete that has gotten on a knee and prayed, um, but somehow it's known as T-bowing, and I'm not sure why. Um, and, you know, I think it's just, um, I don't know, probably had to do a little bit with the hype. But, you know, I think it's, it's not all a bad thing. If people are still somehow talking about prayer or talking about my faith, then I think that's pretty cool. Using a platform, the platform of football to share his faith. If he's demonstrating prayer to the world, if people are talking about prayer because of him, focused on it, or talking about faith through this platform of T-Bowing even, he thinks it's pretty cool. 
So again, does God care about wins and losses? Probably not. But he's given you the talents and the abilities to go out there and to win. He's given you the talents and the abilities to glorify him. And he's given you a platform. That platform is either maybe in the house, as that mom that's at home, on a football field, on a baseball field, on a stage, singing with your band, whatever it might be. I don't know if they have water coolers at work anymore, but at the water cooler, on your social media, there's always a platform. You don't have to go, and you don't have to go, if you notice all these people, they're not thumping people on the head with a Bible. They're just sharing themselves. That's all it is. They're just sharing their life, answering questions, just being themselves. You know, there's a lot that comes from football. I want to take a, a quick left turn, get back to something that Tony Junji had to say and Ben Watson, but when you take a look at football and you take a look at life and you take a look at what's being said here, you know, Kurt Warner, Daryl Strawberry, Tim Tebow, you know, they've all had successful lives in some capacity or another. They've all been able to kind of achieve their or chase their dreams and to some point achieve those dreams. Maybe it not, might not be the ultimate, like maybe Tim Tebow never winning a championship or maybe um, never being an MVP, but he had some success in college and was at the, the pinnacle of success in football in college. But they all have something in common. That's just them sharing themselves, okay? And not only that, but they stay grounded and they stay focused. They're all pretty humble guys. Even nowadays, when you talk to Daryl Strawberry, and I've had the fortunate opportunity to talk to him on a couple occasions, very humble guy for a guy that has four-time championship winner, eight-time all-star. And um, so anyways, so you have these guys here, and it talks about focus and preparation, okay? I want to use the college football season for 2023, if I may, for a moment, to kind of illustrate a point, if I can. So when the football season started, there was a couple of uh, storylines that people were focused on for the upcoming season. The first one was the Colorado Buffaloes. Okay, Colorado, they were the talk of college football. Deion Sanders, again, a faith-based person, a Christian person from what I can understand, um, goes to Colorado, blows out pretty much every player, and brings in pretty much every player. A lot of people were talking about whether this was going to work or not. Season starts, they pull a big win over TCU, and now they are the talk of the town. They win their first couple games. Celebrities are on the sidelines. Press people are praising them, and all this stuff is taking place. I mean, they could do nothing wrong. You've got Deion Sanders with his gold-plated headsets, apparently, or his gold head headphones that look like gold. You've got talks of uh, his son, the quarterback. Was it Shador Sanders? I think somebody on TV said he had like a $5 million NIL deal, name, image, likeness deal. I don't know if that's true, but the reporters at the game were talking about it. They were talking about fancy cars, watches. Apparently he had a $70,000 watch studded with diamonds. That happens to be one of a kind, according to reports. So you have all this stuff going on, all this publicity, all this popularity, all this focus on you, and you start to lose. The wheels come off the wagon. 
So much so that you're up by 29 points against Stanford, one of the worst teams in college football, and you end up losing. Now, Dion himself has been pretty forthright, talking about the ups and downs, the wins and losses, not being prepared was one of the comments he made after a game. Uh, you know, challenging his team. I mean, you can go online and you can see all of his post-game comments, his videos in the locker room, um, talking to the players. I mean, it's all there for the world to see, so he's not shying away from anything. But again, you had all this potential. You had all this future ahead of you of success that was going to be yours. And then all of a sudden, for one reason or another, and according to Coach Sanders, there was some preparation issues. There was execution issues. And, of course, primetime gets caught up in all the hoopla of being primetime as well. But he talks about all that. Now, whether that's the root cause or not, I guess that's to be determined as the season goes on. But then all of a sudden, failure comes your way. How do you handle it? How do you handle that failure? Because, again, Deion Sanders, he is a Christian. I've looked at some of his comments, and he talks about Jesus. He talks about having the world, kind of like what Daryl Strawberry had. And he comes back to focusing on Jesus and a lot of his testimony and a lot of things he talks about. Um, now, he's had success along the way, obviously, in his entire career. But right now, he started out successful, but now it struggles. And so you had a uh, podcast with Deion Sanders talking with Tom Brady. And so Tom Brady on this podcast says that he's so proud of the Colorado quarterback, Shadur Sanders. Remember, he has the watch, fancy cars and all this stuff. His father's the coach. And he talks about how um, Shador Sanders and how Tom Brady's proud of him. He's always going to be there for him. And wants to offer him some advice about a new fancy car. So the 21-year-old Sanders, the quarterback, needs a Rolls Royce, apparently. And so Deion Sanders and Tom Brady are talking about his kid's car. So Dion asks, hey, Tom, do you think a college kid needs a Phantom, like a Rolls Royce? I don't know what a Phantom is, but probably it's a car out of my price range. And then it's uh, Shador says, no, it's not a Phantom. It's a Rolls Royce Cullinan. Again, out of my pay grade. Beyond reach. Don't even know what that means. And then here's Tom Brady's response. Okay, again, seven-time Super Bowl champion. MVP, Hall of Famer, you know, probably the best of the best. Um, here's Tom uh, Tom Brady's response. So do I need this car? Does he need that car? What do you think about cars? I think he needs to get his butt in the film room and spend as much time in there as possible, said Brady. Thank you, Tom, Deion Sanders says. Brady says, less time in the car and more time in the film room. Pretty common sense and wise, Advice from the sage of football, a guy that's had success beyond success, right? So think about that for a moment. Less time in the car, more time in the film room. Okay. Let's take another program. Ironically enough, we're in the Pac-12 still. What a season for the Pac-12 as they come to a a close with everybody leaving. You've got all kinds of craziness. First, you had like eight of the 12 teams ranked. They still may be. Um But again, I mean, what a wild ride this year has been so far. So Lincoln Riley and USC, 
Lincoln Riley making about $10 million a year to coach a team. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. They've got some unfinished business to do from last year, right? So again, another storyline. You had Colorado and everything that was going on there. And then you had major hype, like these guys were going to go and maybe win it all before they started to lose. Now you have USC, another team that everyone thought was going to maybe play for the championship. And they were already given Caleb Williams the Eisenman Trophy from the get-go. In fact, when he was playing one of those early games, beating up somebody like 66-10, to 10, they were like, just give it to him now. So they start out 6-0. and All of a sudden, there's talk about Caleb Williams and his draft stock going number one. Which team will he go to? Which teams won't he play for? In fact, Caleb Williams even said that he could come back to USC because he'd probably make more from his NIL than he could from a rookie contract in the NFL. Talked about wanting maybe part ownership. At least these are the stories that are coming out. News press, you know, the press. Uh, wants some ownership. You know, he's already guaranteed his second Heisman. Popping up in commercials. I think it's Wendy's, Fansville. All this different, you know, non-football stuff. Again, nothing wrong with that. Lincoln Riley, you know, talking about going pro. Maybe going to the same team that Caleb Williams goes to. Starts talking about retiring at the age of 50, like Bob Stoops, his mentor, did. Again, now you're starting to get all this distraction away from football, and you're 6-0, and and you've got the hardest part of your schedule coming up. Ranked in the top 10, you're sitting on top of the world. So you had all the success for the first half of the season, right? Now the wagons come off this wheel, or the wheels come off this wagon. Two horrible losses, so there's no more national championship. Um, Caleb Williams, a couple of bad performances. Whether people blame him or not, doesn't matter, but he looked bad if you watch the games. Unprepared, lost on the field, like he had no idea what he's doing out there. Uh, Lincoln Riley becomes a no-show. Now, they say he was sick with pneumonia, but fans from Oklahoma, they say they've seen this before. I'm sick, and now I'm at USC. Uh, talks of leaving, everything has completely collapsed for this program. Some people talking about Caleb Williams should sit out the rest of the year and focus on the draft. I mean, craziness. Tinseltown is full of craziness. Too much Botox going on out there. But again, let's go back to Tom Brady. Less time in the car, more time in the film room. Less time in the fill-in-the-blank, more time in the film room. And now we'll see how they respond. We don't know. At least from some of the stuff that we've seen from Deion Sanders, the comments, at least he's he seems focused on keeping going and doing the season. But USC and Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, they're talking about quitting. But it comes down to this. It comes down to preparation and focus. That's the key to everything. If you lose your focus, your preparation is going to drop and you begin to lose. If your preparation is dropping, you probably lost your focus and you begin to lose. So you've got to stay focused. You've got to stay prepared if you want to be successful. That's what it comes down to. Focus and preparation go hand in hand. Teams in the beginning of the year were focused, especially a team like USC. 
Maybe they've locked that, lost that focus. Maybe they're not prepping. There was a story when they lost to Utah about how the defensive coordinator, apparently Utah ran a play, and the defensive coordinator made a comment like, oh, we didn't see that on film. Because apparently, you know, you scout the other team, you watch film, so you can kind of figure out what they do in certain situations, so you can try to defend it, right? But then people are popping up film of this play that Utah ran, making people think that maybe this defensive coordinator doesn't even watch film on the opposition, doesn't even know what the opposition is going to do. Not prepared, not focused. Maybe just resting on the laurels of playing a 6-0 and first half of the season, but again, your competition was less of a talented team. So if your preparation and your focus is off, you're going to start to lose. If your focus is off, your preparation is going to be off. If your preparation is off, your focus is probably off. And both is a recipe for losing, lack of success. So you look at Dale Strawberry, Kurt Warner, Tim Tebow, all these successful athletes, they stay focused and they stay prepared because they're grounded in their faith. Now their careers have gone different paths. Tim Tebow, probably the least successful of the three. Daryl Strawberry, probably the most successful of the three. And then Kurt Warner falls kind of in the middle. But they've all enjoyed the success of being able to play their professional sports. And they've all enjoyed the platform. And now they've all been using their platform to share their faith. And again, Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champ, three-time NFL MVP. He was picked 199th. In the 2000 draft, 198 people were picked before him. Never really flaunted anything. Again, I don't know what his faith is like, but just from a a business perspective. So you're not a faith-based person. That's fine. Your choice. Maybe you're like someone like Tom Brady, though, and you can draw inspiration from him where you're going to be focused. You're going to be prepared. doesn't matter if you're with the Patriots or with with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. doesn't matter if Bill Belichick is on your side or if there's another coach coaching you. You're going to be prepared no matter what. In fact, I think, didn't he go out and get uh, Gronkowski out of retirement to join him that one season for the championship in Tampa Bay? He did what he needed to do. He stays fit. If you go back to Nolan Ryan, speaking of the Texas uh, Rangers, go back to Nolan Ryan and his workout regime. Way before the science of working out and sports nutrition and all that became widely popular. Look at what he did to stay in shape and to be successful. He stayed focused. He was prepared late into his 40s, pitching no-hitters, shutouts, and whatever else young 20-year-olds can't do today. There was a story about, um, oh, many times, too, we've talked about Kobe Bryant on the show, about his work ethic, outperforming other people, being on the court till everyone else leaves, practicing three, four, or five times a day because that much more preparation is being done, that much more practice, you're getting that much better because you're doing more. But I was flipping through social media, and I uh, I had to f- switch up my algorithm because I was just getting some stupid stuff on there. So I just picked something, and I just picked Larry Bird. Um, always fascinated by the guy. I grew up in the uh, through the 80s with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Lakers, Celtics, and he was always the bad guy. But the more I uh, read about him, the more I find the I'm curious about him because he was the bad guy. He was with the Celtics. I was a Laker fan. But then I'm, I see this video, and he's talking about playing in the NBA and how that 
competition was there with, with Magic Johnson and how he would use that competition to fuel himself. He was focused on beating Magic Johnson. How many times is Magic shooting the ball today, I wonder? He's probably out there shooting 500 times. I better go out there and get in my 500. Kind of like Kobe, kind of like that, the precursor to what became the Mamba mentality. But then when Magic Johnson had to retire, that drive wasn't there anymore for Larry Bird. It was hard for him to be focused and to, to get prepared. Obviously, he was talented enough to be Larry Bird. But it was like that thought was no longer there. I don't have that. He's not shooting the hoops anymore, so I don't have that. I'm not going to face him on the court. And there's something was lost. Now, I don't know if Larry Bird's identity was in that. Obviously, he probably wasn't, but he drew a lot from that competition with Magic. But then when that was gone, the game changed for Larry Bird. It wasn't quite the same. The focus on the, on the opponents and the preparation just wasn't the same when Magic wasn't there. And it changed. Colorado, USC, maybe their focus changed. Maybe their preparation became less and less. Maybe they need to spend more time in the film room. But if you think about now getting back to life, okay, if we're focused on faith, you've got Kurt Warner, win or lose, glorifying God. Daryl Strawberry nowadays, professing the gospel to anybody that will listen to him. Um, Tim Tebow, never won a championship at the professional level, but still out there. Those things weren't their identities, championships. Sure, they love them. That's the competition in all of us. They want to strive to be the best. But it wasn't their identity. If they lost, they lost. Obviously, it was sad. You know, got to go through the motions of being a human, not winning the championship, disappointment, all that. But again, it's not their identity. Larry Bird, not sure what his identity was, but there was something lost when Magic wasn't playing. So if we focus on a faith, faith can get us prepared, can keep us focused, not only prepared for the life that we have, but prepared for the afterlife. If we keep our focus on the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, yeah, in this world, we're going to want to do things to be successful, but it doesn't find who we are. And even though we might not strive or we strive to achieve something, even though we might not get there, like Tim Tebow, not win a championship, we still have success along the way. And we still have a platform to share our faith. Scripture gives us that game plan. It's right there in the pages of the Bible. What we can do to have a good life. And sure, life will be full of tribulations and problems. It's not going to be easy. But there are things and there are game plans in there. For fourth down and ten, when the devil's sending the blitz at us, we might know how to go around that blitz, get that first down, live to fight another day. Because we're never going to be defeated because we've already won. Even in death, if we're a believer in Christ, we have won. The only time we lose is if we don't have belief in Christ. We haven't given our life, life over to Christ. And if we haven't given our life over to Christ and we die, that's when we've lost. So no matter what your life is like, faith in Christ knowing that he died on the cross to save us from our sins, like John 3.16 says. And all we have to do is come to him as we are. Because faith plus zero equals salvation. You know, uh, Tony Dungy, coach in the NFL, 
He also had uh, success. But he talks about, you know, football. He won the Super Bowl as a coach with the Colts. But he talks about how, like, football can reflect life. I think football reflects life and that you don't win every game. Okay, you don't go undefeated. And I think that's the way the Lord has it set up. And as a Christian, that's kind of the, the thing that you learn quickly, that it's not 100% highs. You are going to have some disappointments that you can bounce back from. But if you stay focused on the Lord and, and keep your faith, you will come through those things. Uh, the other thing that football is like life, I think, is how you finish. Uh, when I talk to kids all the time, I tell them our, our, probably our biggest win was the 2006 AFC Championship game. We were only ahead for one minute in the whole game. We're behind for 59 minutes, but the last minute we were ahead, and that's what counts. So no matter where you start, no matter how tough things are, you have time to come back. You have time to come back. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You may have started life rough, like Daryl Strawberry. You might have to have Life success, perhaps, but maybe that wasn't fulfilling. Maybe that greatness, like Daryl Strawberry said, his pain led to his baseball greatness. His baseball greatness led to his self-destruction. Only when Jesus came and said, hey, I want this bum on my team. Now Daryl Strawberry has his complete greatness, salvation in Jesus, using that platform to share his faith. But you don't go undefeated in life. There's going to be wins. There's going to be losses. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs, highs and lows. But how do we manage all that? How do we manage the ups and downs? I mean, like for USC, they had some highs for the first half of the season. Now they're in some lows. We'll see how they respond. We'll see how Colorado responds. But as Christians, we know that God's going to be there for us. Jesus can be there for us. Just come as we are. And we don't have to try to figure it out. We don't have to come up with a new game plan because the scriptures game plan for us is right there in the scriptures. So as you go through losses, losing streaks in life, it's not the end because all you have to do is go back to the game plan. Start again. You know, the Bible talks about uh, life being a race. Compares it to like a race. And how we have to run the race to win the prize. So even the Bible talks about success. Running the race to win the prize. Doesn't say running the race to win first place is the prize. The prize is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can enjoy the things of life. That's what people don't understand. We can enjoy the things of life. Look at all these athletes and these people that we're talking about today. They have money. They have success. They have the cars and all that. Now, that may or may not be your dream. That may or may not make you happy. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to argue that. They're enjoying life. They are enjoying life here on earth. We can too. But just as we can enjoy life, Just as a team can go on a winning streak, we can also suffer a losing streak. But it's getting and bouncing back, getting refocused, better preparation to overcome the obstacles that are coming our way in life. 
is going to be the difference. And we have that supernatural strength in our corner to bring us back and say, hey, God, I need help. I'm coming as I am. I'm in an 04 30-day slump. Got involved in all this stuff. I can't do it anymore. I got to come back. And he'll help you come back. We don't have to do it on our own. He's our hitting coach. He's our whatever you want to call, whatever references, sports reference you want to put in there. You know, he's there. He's that to get us back. And he's also put other people on this planet and in our lives to help us too. Because yes, sometimes it's hard to rely on something that we can't see. That's what faith is, relying on something that we can't see. But people in our lives, listening to Daryl Strawberry and all he went through, or Tim Tebow, and there's many, 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 many things online that you can go look at. But what about Ben Watson? He was a former NFL player. I know he played with the Saints. I believe he was a tight end. May or may not have a brother on Baltimore unless he played for Baltimore too. But listen to uh, Ben Watson and his testimony. I was about six years old, and my father had this big teddy bear. Actually, I had a big teddy bear. And every night before I used to go to bed, my dad would say, Benjamin, Benjamin, you want to fight the teddy bear? And he would get behind the teddy bear, and I would box the teddy bear. And he'd knock me down. I'd get back up. I was fighting this teddy bear. I was trying to beat this teddy bear. And as the story goes, one day I fought the teddy bear, and I lost to the teddy bear. My mom and dad said I was in bed saying, Daddy, Daddy, you bring back that teddy bear. I'm not going to bed till I beat that teddy bear. And they leaned over and said, man, this kid Benjamin has a serious problem. So my dad comes back out. He let me win and beat the teddy bear. And that night, uh, before going to bed, my dad said to me, Benjamin, if you were to die tonight, do you know what would happen to you? And again, I was about six years old. And I said, no, Daddy, I don't. And he shared with me a verse, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish with everlasting life. And at that moment, my dad and I knelt down by my little twin bed, and I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. From that point on, uh, I was a Christian, and I was young, so I had a lot of growing to do. But I look back at that point to be the time where I passed from death into life. Passing death into life. He had a lot to, to learn growing up. The practice plan. The game plan reading the scriptures, living life. As a new Christian, you might find that you fall into some old temptations or you might have to maneuver new situations because you respond to them differently as a Christ follower than someone who wasn't. But he's sitting there fighting the teddy bear, losing to the teddy bear, but then he's like, bring that teddy bear back. I want to fight him. I want to fight till I win. And Ben Watson's parents are like, this kid's nuts. He's whacked. But there's also that do not, you know, that's and that's inherent in successful people. Do not give up. Even if you're fighting a teddy bear at the age of whatever he was, seven, eight, not giving up. But then the ultimate question, if you were to die tonight, if you were not to wake up tomorrow, because nothing is promised, went through a pandemic where we lost a lot of people unexpectedly. A lot of people get diagnosed with illnesses, or maybe they leave in the morning and they don't come back because of a car accident. Whatever the case may be, something happens. And now we're no longer here on earth. So I'd leave the question to you. If you were to die tonight, 
die today, die anytime. What's going to happen? And are you ready? Are you ready to face the afterlife? Last time we talked, John MacArthur said, when you die, two things happen. You either enter the presence of God or you exit the presence of God. One of two things. Daryl Strawberry said, hey, get to know God while you're here because he's amazing. Because once you pass from this earth, it changes. It's a game changer. So when you sit there and you're lying in bed thinking about the different things that are going on in your life, maybe you're scrolling through the social media wishing you had something else or wishing your life was something Whatever it is you're going through, there is an answer. That's God, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus, just call unto him. Come as you are. And as you come as you are, you don't become well before you go to the doctor. You come as you are. Because faith plus nothing equals salvation. And all these people that we're talking about today, Kurt Warner, Ben Watson, Tony Dungy, Daryl Strawberry, they have all given their life to Christ. Looks like all of them are now past their playing days, coaching days, kind of into retirement, doing other things. Some might be broadcasting. Some might be on the speaking circuit, whatever they're doing. But that's the other thing. Their identity is something outside of this world. And so whatever comes their way, they can handle it. I mean, you look at Tony Dungy's life, hasn't always been great. Daryl Strawberry, we know that. Kurt Warner had a hard and difficult road to the NFL. Didn't make it until he was like in his late 20s. But God had a plan. God had a path for each one of these athletes. Tim Tebow had success in college, but his success in the NFL and Major League Baseball Had a little bit, probably not what he was hoping for, but his identity wasn't in that. And so by not achieving that, doesn't make or break him. Would he have wanted to? Of course. But it's not his identity. His identity is in Christ. And so therefore, because his identity is in Christ, that's the only thing that matters. And Christ is never failing. God does not fail. He wants you on his team. He's there waiting to sign you up. And all you have to do is just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Know that he died on the cross to save you from your sins. And if you confess with your mouth and believe on your heart, you shall be saved. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The thief on the cross, like we talked about last time, couldn't do anything. Faith plus zero equals salvation. All the thief on the cross said, Lord, when you die, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Faith plus nothing equals salvation. Are you ready to be on his team? Are you ready to join God's team? You're going to win, you're going to lose. That's life on earth. But the ultimate victory, our Super Bowl celebration, is going to come in the next life because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and we were saved. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hey, check out the website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo. All of our 
shows pop up in video form from our Rumble page. There is an orange banner that goes across that page. That is a link to our SoundCloud. Click on that, and you can download the audio versions and take them with you on the go. You can also listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts. You can even do an internet search of TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. We pop up. Hey, Suri. Hey, Google. Hey, Alexa. Play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And our show pops up. In fact, my phone beeped right now, trying to pick it up. Um, if you want to email the show, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. Reach out. Uh, I'll respond if there's something I can do to help. Um, if I can't do anything myself personally, I know a bunch of people that could probably help you out. So, again, resource reach out to me let me know if you want to just correspond um you can reach out for any reason whatsoever and um it might take me a little bit to get back to you but i will definitely get back to you um so yeah instagram we're there too at two two steps ahead podcast um and like i said you can listen pretty much anywhere you listen to the show if you want to subscribe to our rumble and soundcloud accounts never miss an episode we're on YouTube as well, but sometimes we get blocked from there because apparently sometimes they don't like what we talk about. But nonetheless, are you ready to take the step to join the winning team? Are you still struggling? Are you on the winning team, but you're struggling? The game plan is in the scriptures. Victory has been secured already. All we have to do is believe. And believing will give us victory. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.